Asian perspective, that son was in major trouble. And when he comes back to the father's house, he is hanging his head. He's coming back in shame. And we're reading the story with this person, this brilliant scholar. And I stop and I say, what do you think is going to happen? And I say, well, the father's going to criticize him. The father's going to show his anger. I don't know if he's going to be accepted in this family. And he was. And they get to read for the first time, oh my goodness, look what this father did. This father ran towards that lost boy. And this father did not even want to hear the excuses, did not want to hear, oh, father, I did this, I'm sorry. He wouldn't even hear it. In fact, he did a very Asian thing. He decides to throw a banquet and to go out and, and celebrate this son's return. And so that's what we did for those five years. And during those five years, you know, the churches in East Asia were growing. And they were growing at a fast rate. And I would go back once or twice a year and visit those churches and find out what was happening and make sure some of these scholars had a bridge to find those churches. Because you don't just walk down the street and say, oh, there's a church. Because there's no building and there's no advertisement allowed. So you may have Christians all around you, and you don't even know it. They may be meeting in your building, 25 people on floor 3, apartment 2G. And all you notice is, those people kind of like singing. And you don't know anything about them. These were the scholars that had to go back and find churches. But what we found was that the churches were not enough, and they weren't healthy. So these scholars who would so curiously asked these questions, and some of them embraced the faith, would go back and say, I really want to find something that I had when I was in Michigan. And they go back and they can't find it, or they're disappointed. And I realized this is the crisis the church is facing today. It's a leadership crisis, that many of them lack leaders, and when they have leaders, the leaders they often have don't last because they often burn out. Their family is often hurt because they see a church with so much need. They've never had the model of a healthy pastor in front of them, and so all they are doing is running around trying to help all these needs, and they eventually get burned out. And I began observing this, and I've, I had this stirring in my heart like, Lord, are you calling me to do something else, something else that will help this mission? You know, those early years, it was all non-Christians. 99.9% .9 of the people we knew and loved and talked to every day had no idea who Jesus was or what the gospel was. But then, 20 years later, as the church began to explode, my entire work took me to where it was 99% all Christians and all Christian leaders. So on these three-week trips I would take from here, I would go and I would find out what their story was really like. And these are the things they were experiencing. And I kept thinking, what can I do to help? I want to do a training on healthy leaders. And this is what I do. I'm going to take you right now into five minutes of what that training looks like. I try to put an example up for them 
that scares them. I say, look, if you're not going to change this path, you're going to become an unhealthy leader. And look at this woman. She's 50 years old now, and when she was 28 years old, she wrote this book about her dad, who was one of the most famous dads in the Christian world at the time, the founder of World Vision, Bob Pierce. He was an amazing evangelist who went all over Asia, and at one point a missionary came up to Bob and, and put this young toddler, malnourished toddler, into his arms. And, and this missionary said, Mr. Pierce, what are you going to do about this? And that broke his heart. In fact, he's famous for saying the prayer, Lord, break our heart with the things that break your heart. And he came home and he raised all this money and he traveled all around the world about the years that Billy Graham was. And he kept going so fast, so hard, that he burned out emotionally, physically, relationally. And his daughter writes about this. About the middle of the paragraph where you see the the yellow lines. Not only did he begin to experience a constant string of physical difficulties and exhaustion, but his emotional reserves were depleted. The temper he'd battled all his life to control got the upper hand more and more, and the mind that had once operated with computer-like accuracy began short-circuiting, resulting in increasingly erratic behavior. If only my father had learned in the early years to say no occasionally or to perhaps delegate more responsibly instead of trying to carry the full back-breaking load himself. And this is a key part I want them to see. How often I heard Daddy say, just let me burn out for God. But we are to be light in this world, and a candle that burns out sheds no light. As surely as I know my Father's ministry was ordained of God for his glory and honor, honor and glory, I know the following events grieve the Father's heart and were not in keeping with his will for my family. This book, on the one hand, is very inspirational about what God did in the world through this ministry. And at the same time, heartbreaking, so sad that his own daughter, his wife, his, his other daughters went through such a hard time. And I want all of the men and women in our trainings to see that. If they don't learn these things, their life will be destroyed. And I actually make this statement in front of them. What I'm going to share will actually save your life. Because we've seen people lose their life emotionally, lose their family. And we've had some Asian pastors tell us, you know what? We're confused. We were told early on to sacrifice everything. And they literally sacrificed their families. And we've seen that 20 years later because I've met with their kids. And some of their kids are college students here today in our Christian universities. And the Christian university president, one of them told me, I've spent a lot of time with one of these young women one-on-one. She's 21 years old, and she barely knows her mother because her mother was one of the well-known evangelists that traveled all over East Asia. So there's been an unhealthy emphasis of what it means to be a Christian leader. And so we come in and we're helping them discover, oh, there's a God way of doing this. It doesn't have to be like a chicken with his head cut off. I don't have to be dying physically, spiritually. I tell them there are two paths. 
And you have to choose. One of the metaphors I've used is the fitness center versus the medical center. And I tell them, you're going to go to one or the other. You have to choose. Which will it be? You're either going to spend time in a hospital bed recovering or you're going to spend some time in your life doing some of the disciplines that will help you be a healthy leader. Like one day a week of rest, such as exercising your body, such as spending time with your kids and your spouse. These are all what I would call spiritual exercises that will help them become healthier leaders. We give them this model. We introduce them to a biblical framework of what it means to be a healthy Christian leader. It's not just your relationship with God. It's not just your competencies, what you're doing in the world, in the church, your preaching, your teaching, your counseling. It's not just those things. No, every leader is in a community. And you are shaped by God through your community. That is your family, who knows you the best, your closest co-workers in ministry, in the church, the larger church, and society. And very interestingly, Paul says, even the non-believers should say, this man, this woman, is qualified to serve as a Christian leader. Our reputation, even among non-believers, must be good. So we give them this model, and we tell them, measure your life, measure your heart, Measure your ministry, not based on outward success, but based on these five C's. And tell me where you need to grow, and we will help you grow. So this is the training that we take all over the world, and especially among the men. About 15 years ago, I decided to focus especially on men, because in East Asia, one of the churches, it's actually a whole region, like a whole northeastern region of the country, when you go into the churches, the women sit on one side of the church and the men sit on the other side of the church. And it exposes a, a, a huge phenomena that is both amazing on the one hand and really sad on the other hand. The amazing thing is the churches are full, they're bursting at the seams when there's freedom for them to meet in public. And it's three-quarters women filling the church and then if you came over here you would see about this section sparsely seated with men and i began to realize wow we have to do something to help more men come into the church and one of the ways is to help men become healthier christian leaders and so i began realizing that i needed to challenge these guys with some very simple questions it is so simple that it's almost, it's almost too easy, and they almost bypass it. But the simple question, number one, is, dear Christian leader, do you have a friend? Do you have a brother in your life once a month, every two weeks, every two months at least, that you can meet with one-on-one, -on -one, that you can open up to, and that you can express your frustrations, your sadness, your loneliness? Do you have a person like that? And almost without exception, in a large room like this, with this many people at a training, they will say, no, I don't. Or they'll say, 
well, 20 years ago back in college, or 15 years ago before I was serving the church, I did, but I don't have anyone like that now in my fam in my life. The second question I ask is, do you have a personal practice of resting once a week or a once a month getaway time to have solitude with God? You know, almost all say, no, I don't. Do you have any physical thing you do in your life just to work out or walk or relax? They would say, no, I don't. And I would say, wow, uh, you sound like Superman. You, you, you're beyond human because you don't have the basic human needs. Kind of teasing them. But I'm also challenging. You don't need a friend. You don't need time to rest and sleep. You, you don't need to take care of your body. Wow, you're amazing. But they're paying a price for it. And so with the men, I've challenged them to enter into Christian brotherhood, deep friendship with other people. So after these theoretical trainings we give, for one or two days, I will challenge them to go out into the wilderness with me. And since 2010, twice a year over in East Asia, I would take seven to ten men out for a whole week. And you know what really bothers them the most in their life? Is this technology, the cell phone. They literally have thousands of contacts in their phone. And they have an amazing thing called social media, which helps them stay connected. And they have the super high expectations from their people that they will always be available for all of their needs. So anytime your son has a test and you're worried he's not going to pass, you call this guy and say, can you pray for my son's exam? Anytime you're selling a house or starting a business, you want that spiritual leader to come bless your new business. And there's all kinds of relational issues that are going on that they need someone because there's no counseling ministry. There's no trained counselors. It's all based on if the spiritual leaders can help them. So we would take the men out into the wilderness for five to seven days after training them in some of these things and just let them be overwhelmed by God in creation. You know, God has these three great revelations, you know, Creation is number one. Number two is the Bible, God's Word. And number three is the Holy Spirit. And we ministers often forget the mountains and the wilderness are there for us to enjoy. And God often restores people through this. So on some of these treks, I've become close friends with some of these guys. Because something happens when you're lying down in a tent for two people on your third night after you're exhausted and you've kind of talked about the Lord and you've worshipped and then he says, hey Brent, I have a question for you. He says, what do you do when you feel this way? Ah, then the emotions come up. The deep, real stuff in their lives come up. And so this ministry we call Leader Trek and it's been going on for several years over in East Asia. And we decided, wow, what can we do in these three years that I haven't been able to travel because of COVID? So I looked at all the Asian men in the United States and these Chinese churches all over the U.S. There's more than 3,000 of them. 
And many of them have tired, weary, but super spiritual pastors. Without friends, without rest, without a healthy view of the church. And we decided, well, we have places here where we can take them. So we started this men's ministry. And we called it Trailhead Fellowship. And it's been going on for the last two years. And last year we did six big treks with each six to eight men. And then we started doing some retreats. And now, next week, I need you to pray for this. Outside of Austin, Texas, about one hour, we're going to have a father-son camp out. A father-son camp. It's the first one we know of that's been held nationally by the Chinese churches. It's like they're overwhelmed with basic ministry needs. They haven't realized this 5C community, the power of it. So we had thought, eh, maybe 30 guys would sign up total, you know, fathers and sons. That would be a good start, right? Last week we found we have 101 people signed up for this thing. That is so amazing to us. And it was not initiated by me. It was initiated by one of the guys that I've been friends with that has been a disciple of Jesus, and he's just taken off. His name is Ed. Ed Wu. Do you know where I got to know Ed Wu? About seven miles away at the North Campus Recreation Building in 2004 playing basketball. Ran into him randomly. I didn't know it, but Ed's marriage was falling apart. Nine months later, the weekend he was graduating, he calls me up and said, can you meet with me? And even though my wife's never met with you, I'm going to invite her. And she came. In that moment, at the Borders bookstore, which no longer exists, they bowed their heads and accepted Jesus. Over the years, since they've lived in Austin, he worked at Dell and all these other places, he kept growing, kept growing, kept growing. Now Ed has caught fire, and he sees the need for Chinese men to have the chance to grow in brotherhood. So that's what we're doing. My heart continues to be for pastors because I was a pastor and I know how lonely it can feel. And I was on a regular speaking uh, invitation in Tulsa, Oklahoma a year ago, almost to this weekend. And I had never been to Oklahoma in my whole life, even though I loved the football team. But I was invited to Tulsa to speak. And my friend knew this guy named Simon. And he called Simon. He said, Simon, my friend Brent is in Tulsa. I know you've been going through some hard stuff. Why don't you reach out to him? And so he called me, and he came that night with his wife. And we met in the hotel room at 9.30 p.m. I just arrived. And I said, what's your story, Simon? And for the next hour and a half, both of them poured out their brokenness to me. Their church had imploded. There had been an abusive leader in their lives. They'd been accused wrongly of certain things. And they'd lost everything. Their church, their visa, their chance for ministry, and even their reputation had been severely damaged. They were just broken. And I said, Simon, I, I think it was maybe God's will that we met tonight, but I'm only here for a few days. Could you join me in California? 
in the coming weeks. <clears throat> Could you join? wilderness and I heard his story I've never heard of a, of a guy that was so broken in ministry and I said Simon I think I really want to invite you to keep in connection with us could you come to our next leader trek we're going to do one in Seattle Washington area could you come it's a whole week and and you need some equipment you need to raise some money and he just said I want to go with you so he went with me and I literally saw the scales coming off of his eyes. I literally saw his heart being healed because we do several things up there that are all related to this 5C model of a healthy leader. We put them in community. We have them open up with authenticity each night. Two guys share their life story. And as the other men on the first few nights were sharing their story, Simon said his heart was being healed. And then on the second day, we send them out into what we call solitude. For six hours of solitude, a Bible, a journal, and the vast expense of wilderness, and some key questions that we want them to ask God. In this whole week, we frame around three big questions. We say, you need to ask God, God, who are you? I want to know more about who you really are. And my secret hope is that they would find that he's not just God, he's their father. And that leads to the second question I want them to ask. God, who am I? Tell me more about me, myself. Who am I deep down inside? And I secretly want them to know that they are a son who is loved, that they are a brother. They have these titles, pastors, and they have all this busy work, and they put their identity there, and I say, that's not who you are. And I want them to have that new sense of their identity in Christ. And then the third question I tell them to ask God is, God, what do you want me to do? I said, that's the third. It's the, not the most important one. Just wait. As you see who you are in God, and as you see who you are as a man, God will show you. And so I want to end today with a short little video clip of that um, Washington Cascade trek, and you'll see Simon in one scene laughing as he's sliding down the snow, and just, it was just a beautiful week. And following this week, a transition happened in his life, okay? So let's watch and listen together.
到，反正也将来也要去去玩一次。工作两年是零。So much different than the first day. Everyone's working together. Everyone knows each other. We learn to love each other. Leader check. Ice cream mountain, complete with whipping cream. That smells terrible. Well, since then, Simon made a transition in his life. And about two months after that day, he called me and said, "Would your ministry organization have room for a place, have room for a guy like me?" And so, in November, he officially joined our ministry with Leader Source, and now his ministry is going to be to reach out to tired, burned-out, frustrated pastors. And he's already met with nine of them. So pray for him, and pray for us as we continue our ministry. We believe that God's with us, but it's new territory. None of the Chinese churches in America know about us, so it's like starting from zero. But gradually, God's been opening doors, and um, I'm going to end with the scripture that I was intending on starting out with, but because of the electricity problem, we didn't get to read that.、Um, but that's on slide three, I think. But I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Okay, great. This is、uh, what describes our ministry, Paul. They returned to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many hardships we must enter the kingdom of God. And I want you to think about the word strengthening. What does that mean? To strengthen souls of disciples. Again in fifteen, Paul chose Silas, and they departed, and they went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Think about what they were doing to strengthen churches, sharing testimonies, challenging them on doctrine, helping them have broken relationships healed, telling them what God was doing in other places, teaching them about. The sovereignty of God—that God is through Jesus and through the gospel bringing us as one people. It doesn't matter if there's slave or free or Jew or Gentile; you're all one body. And again, in chapter 18, after spending some time there, they departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Paul went out at the beginning. And started things, and then as he went back to the churches, he realized his goal was to train and build Christian leaders. So that's the mission that I serve in. It's called Leader Source, and we build leaders and train leaders in about twenty different countries. I've been focusing on the Asian portion of the world, and now God has brought the Asian portion to us. If you'd like to get my own personal updates、uh, today, we'll have this, and you can just enter your name and your email on the iPad, and I can have that. 
And I want to close this today with just a prayer for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this coming weekend, for those hundred guys that God would do a work in their hearts. Dear God, thank you for what you've done in the world through the global church. It's your work. And we're amazed when we see it. We're inspired when we hear stories of people in harder situations who have remained faithful. And when we see the gospel changing people from atheists into Christians and from Christians into disciples and from disciples into pastors and Christian leaders, we also stand amazed. We also know that they've gone through a lot. That they've been uh, dealing with loneliness in their lives, emotional sadness sometimes, frustrations. And we pray that you would help us have this ministry in North America to reach out to these Chinese leaders to encourage their hearts. And Lord, thank you for next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Thank you for a hundred Chinese dads and sons from four years old to 14 years old. It's maybe the first time in their lives where they've had that together time. And we just pray that you bring them all together safely, that they'd have a great memory together, and that you do your healing work, and that you'd open the eyes of many guys. Thank you for Ed and his passion for this ministry and how it started here in Ann Arbor 20 years ago. Thank you for this church for this worship service today, for electricity. And I pray that you deepen our fellowship as we uh, end our service today. Amen.